All right, we're back. How's everyone doing? Too bad, not too bad. How about yourself? Oh God, I wasn't ready for that. Oh no. <laughs> not questions. <laughs> not questions on this here podcast. Oh dear. Right. So, for those of you that don't know, this is the Through Our Eyes podcast. I have not changed the uh, um, uh, category that we're in, but um, we are we are actually in the podcast now. Mm-hmm. What? Going well. Anyway, this is the podcast. This is Through Our Eyes podcast. Uh, for those who don't know, this is a podcast that we put together, um, Pan and I, uh, um, to highlight marginalised uh, content creators and their stories, um, shed a little light um, on what it's like with uh, um, living as a marginalised uh, um, uh, group or um, creator and and just try and create an educational and informative uh, chat um about individual stories um pan would you like to introduce yourself and and a little bit more about the through our eyes project can do hello yes i'm pan formerly known as arthrimus i'm saying that for now because people are still very confused who i am so that is helpful just to know the through our eyes project which is i guess currently on hiatus due to work um but started a year and a bit ago now uh when essentially on streams, I realized that I wanted to get together a bunch of marginalized creators and try and speak with them and learn about perspectives I didn't have and others didn't have and perspectives of my own that I could share. And from that, we ended up realizing that while getting 30 people together over 10 hours is very fun and offers lots of uh, options for discussion, it doesn't let you learn about individual people too much. And so the idea of the podcast came about and that is where we are today. Okay, sorry, I was trying to uh, mention about the uh, um, questions. So, um, alerts will be um, off, I think, um, for the uh, duration of this um, so that we can concentrate on what we're discussing. If at any point something is particularly triggering or uncomfortable, feel free to um, step away, take a break. Um if you'd like to submit questions as we go, there is a channel points redemption um, in in the uh, uh, settings. So it should be uh, one of the first ones that you can access. Um, and uh, yeah, so if everyone is good, we will get started. All right. Would you like to introduce yourself, your pronouns, your name, your handles, etc.? Hello, I'm Nightbites. Uh, my pronouns are they, he. Um, if Nightbites is too much of a mouthful, you can go with Night. Most of my friends do. Some also call me Bites. One in particular says the Night that Bites. I think I probably am, but yes, so that that is me. Um, most of what I do on, well, I'm, I'm a variety streamer, um, kind of splitting my variety between playing drums and playing games. So it's about as variable as one can get. 
uh, which means that I do actually have two computers. I've got one room with the drums and the computer and the cameras all over the place. And then I've got this one. This is the gaming rig. And where can people find you? Um, so I've got um, socials on most platforms. Um, for the most part, I'm Nightbites on Twitch, uh, TikTok. Um, I'm Nightbites FM on Twitter because there was a German band who already had the name Nightbites, even with the same spelling. N-I-T-E-B-Y-T-E-S. I thought I was unique when I picked it, but apparently <laughs> a German band got there first. And uh, what brings you here today? Well, um, five years ago, I had a, a little bit of a, um, I would say meeting of the minds, but lampposts don't have much of a mind um, at about 40 miles an hour. I was, I, I used to be a motorcyclist. Um, I'd spent eight years commuting um, to London and back for work and got a job far more local. Um, a, a mere 20 mile round trip rather than, sorry, not round trip, each way trip. Uh, rather than the 40 plus each way I was doing to London. Um, so a nice, simple ride, nice country lanes, the whole nine yards, with a little bit of dual carriageway, just to open up the throttle and enjoy the the summer weather. And it was actually was uh, August 2017, tail end of August. Um, one minute I'm riding down the dual carriageway, doing the national speed limit, uh, which was confirmed by eyewitnesses later. I'm not spinning a line there people said yeah it wasn't speeding or anything um next thing i know i'm on my back in an ambulance talking to a paramedic and a police officer with no recollection of what happened in between um apparently i'd lost control of the bike no clue how but um and where i'd veered off the road i managed to home in on that that much space where there was a lamppost and so rather than being thrown clear as would normally happen if the bike hits something because um, there was a little fence around the lamppost rather than hit that and get thrown clear I hit that hit the lamppost and fell back onto the bike so whatever speed I was doing at the point that I hit the lamppost there was some deceleration between me leaving the seat and hitting the lamppost the policeman reckons that I was probably doing about 40 miles an hour by the time that I made contact um, now to give some um, uh, idea of parallel around statistics. If a pedestrian not wearing any protection or armour was to be hit by a car with all the wonderful crumple zones and things that modern cars have at 40 miles an hour, that pedestrian would have a 1 in 10 chance of survival. And visibly, I pretty much walked away from doing that to a lamppost. Um, I can attribute that largely to wearing the protection, crash helmet, um, full biker gear. I mean, it was summer, it was hot. And every time I look out at other riders that are not wearing a crash helmet, not wearing gloves, not wearing all the gear, I look at them and think that they could have a nasty accident coming up. Um, but I, I was very lucky. Um, the crash helmet took the blunt of the injury. Um, it's split all down this side. The visor went flying. God knows where half of that was. My glasses exited the uh, the crash helmet. Now, crash helmets are fairly tight on your head. They have to be, uh, which means that the glasses are pressed into your head a little bit. My glasses left the crash helmet. No one know knows where they went. So the 40 miles an hour is probably fairly accurate. Um, 
In fact, it, I've still got the crash helmet if anyone wants to see. I kind of kept it as a memento. <laughs> um, it, it, it also forms one of the emotes on my channel because I'm that. <laughs> but yeah. So the, the visor was gone. We've got all this cracked up here. That, that's what took all the impact. And um, yeah, so a, a quick trip to A&E. And uh, so I, I, give me a second. I'm having trouble getting words in the right order. No, it's All fine. Bit. You take your time. Um, they, they trundled me into the ambulance. And when I came to, they were still on site and hadn't left yet. The policeman was trying to get as much information as possible. Apparently, I'd been talking to, to the policeman for a good five, ten minutes before the, bar, the part I remember kicks in. Um, I was apparently unconscious for a time, but no one can be sure exactly how long. Um, it was the paramedics that brought me around. Um, and they had me strapped on this backboard that keeps your neck all straight and got all this padding around my head so that I could not move a muscle from sort of the shoulders upwards. Um, and the, the next part that I have no recollection of that happened was me apparently sending t taking a selfie whilst I was on the stretcher with all this guff around me, um, sending it to my boss to say, might not be at work tomorrow, had a bit of an incident. And then posting out on Twitter saying, no stream tonight with the picture. Okay. Um, cool. <laughs> which, which, when she saw it, um, annoyed my daughter somewhat because I hadn't deemed to tell her. The first she realised was that there was this picture of me in an ambulance on Twitter. Priorities, obviously. Yeah. Anyway, off to A&E. Um, X-rays, uh, MRI scans, um, all, all manner of tests and checks. Um, and then as I'm sort of get being discharged, I said, yeah, you've probably got a concussion. Um, is anyone coming to pick you up? No, no one knows where I am. You best phone someone then. So half an hour of me phoning around trying to find someone that could come and pick me up because, of course, the, the bike was a wreck and there was no way I could ride it anyway. Um, eventually, I find someone. Oh, yeah, someone will be there in up half an hour. So uh, a friend of a friend tore us out to the hospital to pick us up, to whom I'm eternally grateful. Um, and as I'm getting dressed to walk out to the waiting room to wait, the orderly says, uh, what's, what's that on the back of your leg? Is that is that new? Um now, what, what I hadn't even noticed was that apparently when I'd fallen back onto the bike, my leg had fell onto the exhaust. Now, I was wearing Kevlar jeans, which aren't the best protective gear, but they had hip pads, they had knee pads, and they're um, resistant to gravel rash. What they're not resistant to is heat transfer. So what I didn't realise, and they didn't really do much about, was the big burn on the back of my leg. Um, the... The hospital weren't generally the best, um, my best experience of, of an A&E department ever because A, they didn't take me back in to look at the mark on the back of the leg. They didn't give me or um, the chap that picked me up any care, um, care instructions for anyone with a, a, a concussion. Uh, they just literally said, yep, discharged, off you go. And that was that. Um, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll be fine. So the next day I drove into work. Wasn't the best plan. Um, I had a bit of a headache, so I went home early. <laughs> I, I can see the intake of breath of, this man's mad. Um, no, no, it was just a, a case of, you know, yeah, that's that's what you, 
you, yep. your doctors probably should have been saying is a maybe don't drive straight yeah. after con- uh, concussion, but you know. Uh, anyway, you aren't told something you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and when you're concussed, you don't think of these things, <laughs> which is half the point. Um, but yeah, I had a a bit of a headache, so we went back, uh, went to the GP, and said, "Look, all this has happened." Um, and she said, well, okay, you've probably got a concussion. Here's some instructions on how to look after yourself. Have someone with you for the next 24 hours. Um, don't doze off to sleep unless it's like nighttime. You know, if, if, you, if it's the middle of the day, don't let yourself fall asleep, all that stuff. Um, so I had a friend um, who very kindly took some time out from work and was uh, looking out for me. And for the next sort of week or so, it was still pretty much the same. And that week sort of went into a month. Um, now, in that period, I'd gone and finally gotten the blister on the back of the leg sorted, which by the time I'd gotten it sorted, had gotten infected. And so I had to go to the specialist burns unit over in, oh, God, where is it? Where they treated all the pil- all the burnt pilots from World War II. Um, that was where they sent me for this uh, burn. It's just the size of a Mars bar, but um, it's what they called a full-depth burn. So it was another friend who was driving me to and from there. From there, um, I, for this period, I was very, very reliant on friends because I really couldn't do much for myself at all. Um, and I, after a month, I was signed to go back into work, uh, but was still having the headache, still had tinnitus, still um, a little bit dazed and confused, uh, to, to put it mildly. But where I was working said, you've kind of got to come back or we're going to cut your pay. Um, so in between going backwards and forwards to, um, the burns unit to get my legs looked at, uh, my leg looked at and, um, going to my GP to say, look, things, things still aren't right. Eventually after three months, my GP said, um, yeah, I think, I think you've got post-concussion syndrome, which is, a comes under the heading of traumatic brain injury. Um, and went on to explain brain injuries generically to me where anything that causes damage to the brain is a brain injury. Um, so things like strokes, uh, meningitis, all cause brain injuries, but they are acquired brain injuries. Whereas something that comes from a traumatic blow, you know, blunt force trauma, that's a traumatic brain injury, which is what I have. Um, and then sent me out, out to the community brain injury team, which consists of a physiotherapist, a neuropsychologist, and a, it, it's a team of people in different specialities to help with rehabilitation. So where my balance has been absolutely abysmal, um, it's, it's still abysmal now, but it's far, far better than it was. Um, the, the physio was helping me, me with that. Um, the speech therapist was helping me with the, the words that I kept losing and keep losing now, but less so. Um, the, the neuropsychologist uh, was helping me with other, other facets of it, like... Um, my uh, emotional management um, and that that kind of thing. And b- between those people, they all said, you went back to work too soon. And I said, what do you mean when I went back to the work the next day? No, no, no. When you went back after a month, you should have had at least three months off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have I done any damage by doing that? Possibly. Fun. So there's that. Um, one of the things that has come out of it from my knowledge, is that A, no two brain injuries are the same, um, be it through illness or through um, impact. 
because of where it happens around the brain, it's all going to affect every brain differently. And because every brain's wired differently in the first place, no two brain injuries are ever going to be the same. So some people might get a recovery after six months, a year, two years, five years. Some people may never recover. So back to where they were. Um, so where I am now, um, I still face a fair few issues um, in terms of what I can do, what I can't do, compared to what I used to do. And... Um, where one of one of the biggest things for me was uh, the fact that I'm almost literally a different person. Um, I don't always like the same things that I used to like. Um, my taste in just about everything has changed to a degree. My ability to taste and smell has flatlined. Um, so whenever you see a streamer with the um, the horrible flavored jelly bean things, the bean boozled. Um, I thought oh, I could do that. Then I thought, wait a minute, that would be cheating. Until I realized they did chili flavor ones. Because capsaicin hit, hits the pain centers in your mouth, pain receptors in your mouth rather than the taste. So I still get the burn from capsaicin. <laughs> so hot and spicy foods, love them. Um, similarly, menthol, same thing. It, it hits different senses that give the sensation of cold. So I can have menthol, I can have spicy food and get some experience from it. But if you were to give me um, a, a rich steak or whatever, it would taste like lamb or chicken. Which is a little weird to... So food-wise, I, um, I go by colour, texture, and whether it's hot or cold. And interestingly, you can have both hot and cold at the same time, which is weird. So just to clarify, does that... Are you saying that um, your experience of taste is more that the range has decreased or that yeah. that things taste if, if, like if it's, different it's things the... than they were they did before? Yeah, it's 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 a weird one to try and explain because everyone knows what take taste oh mm. what steak uh, and lamb and chicken and veggies and potatoes taste like. But um, I suppose the best way to describe it is you watch a TV show in, let's say it's a food TV show, MasterChef or something, in 4K. Now watch that in black and white. That's how my taste works. Right. Mm. So the, the meat suddenly goes from having these wonderful colours to looking very, very much like anything else. It's all bland. It's all samey. And that there's not a lot of shade between them. And where, where smell is also a part of that, smell is the same thing. So, again, um, well, I suppose it's one of the advantages where having to clean up after the dog, I don't notice the smell of it, so I don't mind doing it, whereas my youngest is not so keen. Um, so, you know, a lot of those yucky jobs that have a smell, I've got no problem doing because I don't smell it. Um my balance is shot to pieces, so um, maneuverability-wise, I walk with a stick. Um, for the longest time, getting in and out of the bath was um, a perilous experience. Um, the number of times I fell over getting in or out of the bath was ridiculous. Um, so I, I ended up having to get my bathroom remodeled to have the bath removed. 
Um, so now I've got a shower unit and a stool that I can sit on. Because <laughs> you can't fall down if you're sat on a stool in the shower. Um, there's, um, I, I still lose words. Um, I get fatigued very, very easily. Learning new things is an absolute drain. Um, and reading things is a drain. So when it comes to, for, for my job, for instance, um, every now and then I have to go through a, a refresher course on all our um, regulations and stuff because I work in the financial sector. So we've got annual courses. And it takes me two or three times as long as everyone else to do this. And I've got special dispensation from HR because of um, slow cognitive process. That It takes me that much longer to A, read the information, and then B, understand what the questions at the end are asking. Um, and that that is a big thing. I, I quite often don't understand what people are saying because I'm not either on that wavelength or it's taken me a lot longer to comprehend what's gone before to try and work out what the question is actually aiming at. Um, and that that has um, knock-on effects to, to gaming. Um, even something like um, some of the racing games. I can't do the really fast racing games because everything happens too fast for my brain to process. I'm kind of... It's it's almost like running on a 486 in the world of the 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 um, the current chips, which I've conveniently forgotten the names of. <laughs> okay. So that, that there's a lot of um, trying to cope with all those things to get around. So again, sorry if if this was covered because my brain apparently is not having a good day. Um, when did all this happen? How long has ago was this incident? So the 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 lamppost incident was uh, August two thousand seventeen. So just coming up five years ago. Okay, right. And has was all of this experienced from the offset, or has this been something that's developed? the longer that you've been adjusting to um, having um, uh, the trauma? Um, it's all been there since the offset, but I think because I was, for the first couple of months, really sort of, to borrow a, a song title, dazed and confused, <laughs> um, it took me a good while to realise just how much was different and wasn't working right. Um, and, you know, the, the first three months, I really still was very much in a a fog of not being completely aware of everything that's gone on around me. So there has been an improvement since those first few months. But um, there, it came to a point where I now haven't really seen an improvement over the last few years. Um, having done physiotherapy, having done um, speech therapy, having completed the course with um, the neuropsychologist, having done counselling for um some of the mood swings Every, everything still happens i still i still have that um that headache that i've had since day one um it's mostly fairly sort of ignorable in terms of pain levels but um in the early days it would spike into migraines sort of two or three times a week uh, which was the point on that first day where i just had to leave work and go home because in fact it's not just that i went home that day I left my car there and someone took me home because I was so bad I couldn't drive. Um, 
I still get those migraines that completely flatten me. But through understanding what's gone on, um, the GP's got me on medication that helps keep some of that in, in check. It doesn't stop it completely, but it's reduced the instances now to maybe two or three times a month rather than two or three times a week. Yeah. Uh, when you mentioned the selfie that you put on Twitter, I, I immediately remembered it because I used to be the, the community manager for Elite Dangerous, which obviously you've played for quite a long time. And I know you yes. were streaming it around the same sort of time. And it was just as you said that, I'm like, oh, my God, I did see that when you posted it. I didn't know you told <laughs> Twitter before you told your kid. <laughs> I mean, to, be, to be fair, my, my kid was in her 20s at the time and has a family of her own. But yeah, yeah. Very so, fair, yes. very fair. Okay, so. Let's get a bit more into what you found the most challenging. Um, what's been the biggest effect on your life from this, uh, both physically, emotionally and socially? Um, I think the biggest part for me was understanding that who I was before I hit the lamppost and who I was after are two different people. And that um, the differences are far enough apart that I need to mourn that other person. And for the for God knows how long, I had a really hard time doing that because I, I always have been, and to a certain extent still am, um, missing the things that I couldn't do um, and wondering why people were expecting me to do other certain things when I had no inclination in that direction at all um, and that that was one of the hardest things A for me to, to get over in the fact that I, I wanted to be the old me um, and I wanted other people to understand that I'm not and that that was um, in in some cases easier than others, but that that was a hard point to try and get across to people that it has led to a change in personality. Um, and there were similarly there were situations at work. Um, at the time, I was in a very high 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 stress role at work. Um, and when when you suddenly find that your emotions aren't so much on a uh, a, a graded scale going smoothly from one through to ten suddenly you're on a switch that goes from zero to eleven with nothing in between um and after a couple of instances of that happening in those high stress situations that led to um, a conversation with my then boss who was very very good about it far better than he could or possibly even should have been took me into a room after one of these and said um so some of the staff have noticed that you're on a bit of a short fuse at the moment. Um, look into getting some counselling or I'll get you a P45. There was no um, going to HR. There was no going through um, even a, a, um, a first unofficial warning. It was a quiet conversation to one side. Sort your, sort your shit out or you're going to go. Um, and on top of that, the company did find and pay for a series of therapy sessions, which again, they didn't have to do. So, and that, that therapist really did help me get things in check. Um, I am still prone to those mood switches. I haven't 
lost the the switch and gained the slider back. Um, but I've kind of found a, a divert switch that holds the explosion off for a time being. Um, the, the plus side is that it's not just the anger emotion that's prone to that, it's all of them. So if something sad happens, I will be away bawling in a corner probably for the next 20 minutes. Um, if something funny happens, I'm going to be incapacitated with hysterical laughter for the next 15, 20 minutes. Um, in fact, one of, one of those happened at work and I was getting the weirdest looks from people that were going by. Uh, one of my co-workers um, was, had come in very hungover one morning and um, my, my, part of my morning routine was to have one of those uh, vitamin C fizzy things you drop in the water. And he said, oh, they're good for hangovers, aren't they? Can I have one of those? Yeah, I've got plenty of spare. There you go. Rather than putting it in a glass of water, he threw it in his mouth. And while he's busy there foaming at the mouth with orange stuff coming out, the only thing he could say was, I feel like I've just necked a bag of fantastics. <laughs> and that was me corpsed for the next 20 minutes. And wow. later that afternoon, I had to explain to someone why I couldn't work for those 20 minutes. And I started laughing all over again when I tried to tell him the story. <laughs> it... <laughs> I, I can still see the, the look of the guy's face as he's realising what he's just done. I mean, like I find that rather amusing. Machine. I find that rather amusing because one of my housemates used to do that on purpose. Uh, <laughs> hangover cure. Fun? Straight in mouth. Apparently oh it, was just, it was just easier than drinking it because it watered it down. <laughs> uh, that explains why he did Presumably... My colleague had heard from a friend that was the way to do it. it like, okay. So yeah, um, I, I'm still prone to the the extremes, um, which which can be a little disconcerting for people, and um, especially in family when I'm um, telling off my youngest for doing things that they shouldn't have done. Um, it's it's very hard to to keep that that in check and keep it at the zero when inside i am really angry that they've done this thing um but that that is a hard thing to try and keep in check and divert to somewhere else at a later date but the whole idea of not now let it go later is roughly how i handle these things which is what the the therapist guided me through that and a more comedic way of um envisioning the person that's caused this um explosion of anger in an acme sense with the the cartoon um anvil dropping on their head and all these other comedic things happening to try and divert from the anger so a good set of coping mechanisms then essentially yes yes so initially how did you find relearning who you were that was tough um there's i mean it, one of the big things that I picked up um, initially to try and do as um, physiotherapy to try and get the the left side of my body working as it used to, uh, when I back at the right at the start when I was really trying to um, believe that I could get back to who I was, um, I got um, I traded in my acoustic drum kit and got an ele electronic drum kit uh, so that I could practice as long as possible without annoying the neighbours. And uh, one of the first things I realized was that my left, uh, that, that was when I realized that my left side really wasn't 
what it it used to be. Um, I used to be able to play double bass drum uh, music and rhythms very, very easily. But um, now the, the left leg just kind of does its own thing and not in rhythm at all. And I haven't got as much control over my left hand as I want. Um, and my uh, accuracy, um, fine motor control, I think is the proper term, um, of getting the, the bead of the stick on the part of the drum or cymbal that I want it to hit is not where it needs to be. Um, now, where I stream the drums, I've got a number of camera changes triggered off various parts of the drums. Um, part of the reason I did that was so that I could focus on needing to hit specific areas. Um, because the, uh, for, for example, uh, a cymbal, it's got three parts. Um, I should have brought one in to show actually, but there's the middle part that's kind of like a dome. That's called the bell. Then as it goes out towards the edge, that's called the bow, as it literally bows in shape a little. And then you've got the edge. Um, I've got triggers set up on the, the bell of the cymbals to change cameras. Uh, with the idea that if I can hit the bell, because it's a fairly small target on an electronic drum set, um, I'm improving my accuracy. Um, and similarly, uh, where my endurance and stamina isn't where it used to be, um, playing drums for two, three hours is going to build up the stamina. Doesn't always work that way. <clears throat> um, when, when I said all this to the physiotherapist, um, he said, yeah, that's actually a pretty good thing because it's covering core balance trying to stay upright on the stool which balance is a thing i have problems with um it's working on coordination and where i'm taking a lot of songs that i've never heard before it's also trying to work on um the cognitive speed because as i'm hearing the music for the first time i've got to translate that into playing and keeping up with it so there's a lot of um therapy in what i do and looking out fairly widely across um, therapies, there is a, a case for music therapy and a case for rhythm therapy as real things in, in medicine. Um, a lot of um, Alzheimer's sufferers, for instance, can react, respond very well to certain pieces of music because they trigger memories. Uh, music is one of those things that locks into memory on a very, very deep level. And um, you can find that it doesn't take more than maybe a bar or two of a song to bring memories flooding back around that song. Sometimes they'll be good, sometimes they'll be bad, but it will. music can bring memories back like that. And and rhythm, very much the same. You can, you can find a rhythm in everything. A heartbeat has a rhythm. And you can build music and patterns off of that. So drumming and music as a therapy is a really, really good thing. Um, then fit, it's got a physicality to it as well. Um, some of the songs that I've played, um, I used to I used to wear a, a heartbeat monitor. Um, unfortunately, I broke it some while ago, so I haven't worn it for a while. But uh, one of the the songs that I played managed to get my heart rate up to something like 156 beats beats per minute, which is pretty quick, I gather. <clears throat> to the point that some folks in chat were thinking my heart was going to explode or something. Um, I did after that go to the GP and say, "Hey, was this bad?" And the GP said, "No, but it was close. Don't go above 160." There we go then. Um, so the, the drumming side of things has a um, helped me continue therapy on a whole load of levels load of levels past um, where my courses with the NHS stopped um, and I th 
I like to think that where over the first year, 18 months, I did make a heck of a lot of progress, I probably wouldn't have if I hadn't been drumming. So um, I, I, I realize I've diverted away from the question and I've actually forgotten what the actual question was now because I've gone so far off on my own tangent. Um, how did you uh, um, find this rediscovering who you were as a person now after after the uh, injury? So, um, largely through my friends. Um, having done all that and get, get to a point there, they have said, yes, you have improved. Yes, you have improved. But there are also friends that have said, you're still not the person you were and you're probably not going to be. And it, it's taken messages from those friends for me to come to terms with the fact that what we've got here is night 2.0. Um, I am different. I have different um, tastes in things, even before going back into the whole taste smell thing, different tastes in, in music, different tastes in uh, what TV shows I watch, what streams I, I consume. Um, I have different interests generally that I do when I'm not in the day job. So I am very much a different person in the same body shell. Um, and that, that, that took a little bit of getting used to, but having had friends come back to me and point this out and say, yes, you are different, but we're cool with that was really, really helpful. And as, uh, um, uh, we've just had in the, uh, uh, questions, uh, uh from Pan there as, uh, you, you could ask it yourself because you are co-host. <laughs> I know, I could, but I wanted to be... <sighs> Nate was making a very good point, and we both know what it's like to be interrupted and completely forget your train, so I thought I'd write it down politely. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> Rude. Anyway, I had two questions, but one of them I hold on to, so... I'll go over the first question first, night, if that's okay. Um, just in regards to the drumming, is that something that you found has helped with letting that anger out later, instead of, you know, in yes. a particular time? Without um, a doubt. I, I grew up with a dad who has fairly, well, had fairly serious anger issues because of ill health, um, and it's like I don't really know what he did to actually let any of that anger out. So it's interesting if something like drums has worked for you. It, it really does. Um, if I'm really, really angry and I've, I've got to let it out somewhere, then yes, I will play some fairly angry music and just bit, thrash the heck out of the drums. Um, now the the drums I have the the cymbal pads are rubber, um, the edges of the drums have rubber um, covering on them, so they it, they don't chew up drumsticks like um, a regular acoustic kit does. But I have still managed to break sticks on this drum kit when I've been angry. But the drum kit itself has survived. The drum kit itself has survived. Yes, that's all right then. The the, the sticks are still breakable. So I've only broken two, but that, that's still pretty impressive on a, an electronic drum kit. But yeah. the kit is still in one piece. That's that's cool. And a side uh, question. What's your favourite anger song to, to play to? Oh, that, that varies. Um, generally, I would probably say um, something pretty heavy. Uh, I'm not very good at playing it, but it's very cathartic to play. Mm. Painkiller. Judas uh, Priest. Yes. Yeah. 
in my head as well. It's the like, only reason that I asked because I was like, it's gonna, it's gonna be something good. It's gotta be something good. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun to play. It's got a lot of double bass drum, which my left leg does not want to comply with. Um, but it's just very, very cathartic because you're hitting everything hard. Yes, that's that's pretty good. Uh, the other question I had was just, are there any parts of your personality that you prefer now? Obviously, your friends have said we still like you, which is I, definitely something I can I completely understand because I've had times where it seems I'm a different person to how I used to be, and it, it definitely is helpful when people are like, it's not a bad thing though. But are there any parts of yourself that you prefer? I think the amount of control that I have over my emotions that I have to have because they are on a switch. Um, I'm actually preferring be because in the past I didn't have that and I could still get angry and I could still get upset, but it would be there and in the moment rather than perhaps in a more controlled fashion. Um, I like the fact that it is now I have the, the tools to take it away and explode in private or... Um, put it into something creative or something that is an outlet, which I didn't have before. So I, I think that, which I've picked up as a, a coping mechanism, is something that I far prefer from who I am now to who I was. Very, very fair. Is there anything that you found yourself like liking that you didn't like before, that you, but that you're like, oh, I'm glad I like this now? Or is it just a bit like, oh, I can't keep listening to Barbie Girl? I, oh. <laughs> um, I, I do have a habit of listening to the same songs over and over and over. And uh, before anyone asks, uh, the song of the minute, the, the song of the minute does change, but the song of the minute at the moment is Forsaken by Dream Theater. It's a gorgeous piece of music. I love it. Um, but um, I've, I have got a much wider appreciation of music now than I used to um, in the in the before times, um, which works for both pre-COVID and pre-lamppost. Um, I was very much a middle of the road rock prog metal fan. Didn't like thrash, didn't like punk, didn't like um, EDM, didn't like anything that was, uh, at the time I would have said um, computerized, wasn't played with a proper instrument. Um, now that is that is all out the window. Um, and where it, it's not my usual wheelhouse because I just haven't had years of listening to this stuff, um, doing music streams with people bringing their tastes in. I am finding that there is so much more music that I am capable of liking. And that is something I really like about myself as well, which I couldn't have done before. Yes, Sam, um, I am looking at you with the K-pop. <laughs> you mentioned um, that you are still working. Um, yes. How have you found adjusting from your pre-capabilities to now? So, um, th this gets a little bit awkward and I have to be very careful how I talk around this. Um, because obviously a company won't say exactly why something happens. But after a few instances um, prior to going into counselling for the anger outbursts, um, not long after that, the role that I was in, which was a very high stress major incident role, suddenly became um, surplus to requirements and was made redundant. Um, and they said, we've got very nice redundancy package here. You can take that away and go work somewhere else. Or we've got this other role here for you that we'd like you to take. Um, and the fact that they said, 
that we would like you to take told me that what they actually were saying was, we can't see you doing this role as you are because you don't have those capabilities anymore, but we don't want to lose you as a member of staff, so we're offering you this other role. Now, it was on a, a much lower salary, but it had none of the stress. Um, so having gone to a couple of interviews elsewhere um, and not securing another job, I did take the uh, the offered role on the lower salary. Um, it was a significant change, like um, a 50% salary cut, but still on a fairly good salary. Um, but once all the, the stress of that role was gone, I found that um, the role that I was now in and, and I'm still in now was very suited to how my brain works. I have processes that I follow um, with checklists and it's the same thing every time. And there, there's a, a routine to it. There's a, a commonality to everything I'm doing. Um, and it's very, very uh, straightforward. There's no gray areas at all, no, no areas that could cause confusion. And there's nowhere near as much stress. So um, I, I have transitioned to a different role um, within the same company that is much more suited to, to my capabilities as they are now. Which, yeah, I, I mean, that's in this kind of scenario something that honestly I would hope most places would do, but it never seems to happen. Um, yeah, you can, you can never tell. So I, I feel very lucky that they, they have done that for me. But has there been any uh, challenges for you coming to accept that? Um, or has it been I... entirely like a, yeah, no, this is exactly what I needed. Um, I've, I've come to accept that, yes, and realise that, that it was exactly what I needed. Um, but at the time, I was angry as all heck that they were making me, re me redundant when clearly there was, in my mind, a need for that role still. Um, but what they've now done is diversify that role out to three or four different people um, who are at a much higher tier than I was then. So possibly there was some reorganization thing behind it as well. Um, but I, I was very angry because I, I felt like it was being done because of the issues I was facing through my injury. Um, but looking back, I can see that whether that was being done because of that or not, whichever way you look at it, I'm still in a better place now. And um, my current boss, sorry, my previous boss did come to me and say, Okay, we're putting a management role into the team. Would you be interested in going for it? And I quietly said, no, thanks. I'm quite happy where I am. And have you found that um, since then your workplace have been supportive of you and the your needs? It's all been very dependent on who my manager was at the time. Um, I've had, since the accident, I've had four different managers. Um, that's not because my role's changed four times, but because literally the management role in the team has changed four times. Mm. Um, the, the first manager that I had was um, really chill and understanding of everything. The second manager I had was um, the absolute worst. Um, he was forever um, 
calling me up on things that um, he didn't think were right, I did. Um, he was forever um, saying that he didn't think I had a disability. He thought I was playing it up. And um, I, I really, I got to the point where I was calling HR into every one-to-one -one meeting with him so that he, he would have to toe the line and be absolutely straight down the middle to the point that he stopped calling one-to-one -one meetings. Um, wow. Yeah, exactly. Um, a short while after that, he left the company and went to work somewhere else, and I was so relieved. Um, I've then had two bosses since then who have been really, really good, uh, really understanding. They've worked with... Um, we've, we've got an um, occupational health company that works with us, um, so I've had a referral out to them. They've come in, done assessments, and uh, made some suggestions on how the company can be more accommodating, um, even, even suggesting things like um, looking at uh, spe specific fonts that can supposedly help with memory. Um, it's subsequently been proved that the font doesn't, but uh, back in 2018, that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, there, there was a font, there still is, I think, called Sans Forgetica. Supposedly designed to be more difficult to read so that once you've read it, you'll understand it and remember it better. It's been studied and proved it doesn't work, but the company looked at, at buying that in so that I could have b better chances of understanding and remembering things. Hey, kudos to them even trying, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay, yeah, that's a... a Out there. That's a, a yeah. thing. <laughs> but kudos so, to them trying. And <sighs> where I have um, issue issues with a very high rate of photosensitivity. Um, they let me wear a... I suppose it's like um, a card shark's hat. It's almost like a, a peak cap, but without the, the hat part on top, just so that where the sun would come in from the windows or the skylights, it wouldn't dazzle me and blind me. Mm. Um, so they, they let me wear that during the day. Um, uh, because I'm a blue badge holder, they've got, they've got me a disabled parking spot right by the door. Um, they made a lot of accommodations for me to make it a lot easier to do my job which is really, really helpful. And then COVID hit, and I've been working from home ever since, which is amazing. Um, where a lot of people have had to go back into the office since into their offices since lockdown, um, the company I work for have said, actually, we'll leave it up to your manager's decision as to how many days a week you come into the office. So again, my manager, um, towards the end of lockdown, moved from where we are to almost the other end of the country. So she's not going to be in the office every week. And she said, well, I'm not going to be in the office every week, so you're not going to be either. So again, I've got a very, very good manager, very um, flexible. Um, literally since what would have been about March 2020, I have had one day in the office. And that was just as a, a, a big team meeting to meet the new team members. And that was it. Um, so... The fact that they're letting me work from home and my my boss had already said if we do have to go back into the office given the standard of your work while we've been working through the lockdowns i will back a petition to hr to have you working from home in your contract so again my boss is very very accommodating very understanding and looking to make modifications and accommodations where necessary and um, i wish there were more bosses like her in the world i really do yeah Yep. That, 
that sounds really, really, really good, and that's very, very refreshing to hear. Yeah, that I, they I, I am very, very it. lucky with with the, the past two bosses that I've had. They've been really good. Quite often, um, I, I think uh, um, you'll agree, uh, uh, Pan, that uh, we hear a lot of horror stories, and it's it's usually the um, not so positive uh, uh, side effects of trying to work uh, with a disability, um, yeah. and it is really nice to actually hear that sometimes it does actually go the way that it should and your yeah. workplace treat you like a human being. Yeah, I mean, with my immediate manager, I've seen both sides from one of the the four that I've had since then. Um, one of them was the the, the negative side that you, you hear so much of, but the others have been really, really good. So one bad out of three, I think I've gotten very, very lucky and I'm very appreciative for the bosses that I've had. Okay, so um, we'll just uh, move on to the next question, which is what's something you wish people knew about? Uh, what stigmas or misconceptions do you experience? Oh, Lord. Um, I suppose the first one is that brain injury doesn't have a look. Um, we don't walk around with a neck collar or bandages on our head, so you can't see that we've got an injury. Um, a lot of folks with brain injuries don't have a walking aid. Um, I do because my balance is shot. Um, and a lot of folks, um, I mean, it, it wasn't till I suppose, two or three years in that I realized that there was the sunflower lanyard thing that I could get. Um, which I do now wear when I go out, when I go shopping, when I go for a meal or whatever, so that people can see that it's not just the stick that's the problem, there's something else as well. Um, but because I have issues with um, understanding things, uh, because I have emotional issues, um, and although it's... I don't think I've mentioned it yet, but if I've become really exhausted and I've been overtaxing my brain... Um, my balance gets worse and I start to walk like I'm drunk and my speech starts to slur. So I can give the impression that I'm drunk even though I don't drink, uh, which is something that my GP said when she diagnosed the post-concussion syndrome. She said, you're probably going to want to stop drinking because it will hit you 10 times harder. Um, so I don't drink, uh, but I, I can look like I've had 10 pints if I've had a really, really exhausting day. Um, and I... I was directed to a charity called Headway who help people with brain injuries, be that traumatic or acquired. Um, and they have, but what one of the things they do is issue people with an ID card so that if you are um, picked up by the police or whatever, you can show them that and they can immediately see that there is something different and that how they, and they can then understand how they can help or how they need to treat you. Um, it's, I, I suppose, a bit like the um, Medicaid bracelets for um, people with diabetes and whatever. Um, so people understanding that there is... Um, that, that I might not necessarily get what they're saying first time round uh, would be really good. Um, or even second time, to be honest. <laughs> um, 
that that would be really handy um and the, if if people could realize that um just because their mate bob had a brain injury bob's not going to have the same reactions to anything that i'm going to have um and so for them to say oh yeah yeah he, he had a brain injury he had this 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 you're not like that you don't have a brain injury no that's not how it works um and i, I think that's probably a similar thing with a lot of chronic conditions because they present different ways in different people um and i think it would be a much easier place if we almost had some sort of neon sign over our head that said this you know the the characters in a, an mmo that have got a big eye above their head so you can click for more information i'm, I'm sure in a virtual world there can be some sort of um thing devised where you could look on your phone click the button and it would scan the thing and someone like, oh, okay he's got a brain injury what this 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 job done and then then you know how to safely interact with someone um or just for the world to become more accepting and more aware that not everyone is the same as for misconceptions um a question like that, that i got asked it might be back in 2018 or 2019. Um, so did you get a superpower? Um, no, we don't. No, we not really not. No, um, we've changed. We are not the same person we are. But th this isn't a Clark Kent Superman kind of change, or nor is it a um, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde kind of change. It's just. Well, except maybe on the anger side it might be, but that that's a different thing. Um, we we don't get superpowers. Um, the the closest I can say to that is that um, I did lose a lot of my phobias. I gained a couple as well, but I, I used to be very um, I've forgotten the word spiderphobic. That'll do. Um, I I know it's um, a, a fairly common um phobia uh but i i really really didn't couldn't be doing with spiders um and i didn't realize that i suddenly wasn't until I, I, and it's another work story apologies for all the work stories tonight um so good my boss was sat next to me and she suddenly froze what's up there's a spider on my desk and i looked it, it, it wasn't a small spider um, it was a, a big house spider. And without realising that I wasn't actually afraid, I just reached out, let the thing crawl onto my hand, and then carried it outside and put it on the grass. It wasn't until I got back and sat down and my boss said, that was really cool, thank you for that. I'm such a spider-phobe. And I said, so am I. And she looked at me and was like, are you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, no. Um, I used mm -hmm. to be. Uh, a whole, I, I lost... I lost most of my phobias. Um, what I have found since is that heights are now a thing I can't do. Um, even if I'm watching something on TV and the camera pans from two people in a spaceship to out of the window, my stomach drops. Okay, so I can't do that anymore. Um, and also, I slightly related, I can't, uh, I can't take plane flights anymore. I get massively travel sick. 
which is possibly related to the balance being whacked out. Um, mm. But yeah, so travel is a thing that causes problems. Which is one of the reasons that I'm not going to TwitchCon this year. Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah. It was going to TwitchCon in 2019 that um, suddenly pointed out that I, I had trouble flying. Because, uh, again, previously it, was, it had never been a problem. Uh, whether I'd been on school holidays or whatever, and been flown out to wherever the school was going to. Um, absolutely no problem. I'd love, I'd love to get a, a wing seat, look out the window, enjoy the view. Um, did that going to TwitchCon in 2019, and oh, I felt rough. I felt so rough. Uh, I thought, okay, maybe I just had a bad breakfast or something. So I was very careful about what I have for breakfast on the way back. And no, it, it made no difference. I fl Flying is not a thing I can do anymore. So, just to bring it back to our uh, our topics, is is there any stigmas that you um, experience yourself from those around you, or or for example, no, when streaming? Me, no. Or... Um, to be honest, I've, I've been, again I've been very lucky on both counts. Um, the folks around me are a very very good community. Um, very accommodating and understanding when it comes to limitations and uh, if they don't understand something rather than make an assumption and go with it they ask um, is it okay to say this is it okay to ask that and the fact that they do that is really good and again I, f I feel blessed to be part of that community because of it um, the folks that come into the stream um, I, I tag all my streams AMA so I'm leaving myself open for people to ask questions because um, I think there's not enough said about brain injury and what effects it can have on people and what sort of different effects it can have. Um, so I'm always open to for people to ask me questions and to talk about it. And I have done at length on stream before. Um, so it's something that I don't think has come in negatively into my channel. Um, and that there's a couple of viewers that I get now that also have brain injuries and I think are... Um, happy to have found someone else that with which they've got a, a commonality. Um, so I, I think I'm pretty lucky. The, the, the worst things that I've come across really are out in the wider world. Um, where people might say, um, oh, it's just a concussion. You'll get over that in a couple of weeks. Well, it's been five years and going. Oh, you're... you're you're just uh, amping it up for the sympathy. No, I'm really not. If I could get rid of this headache, if I could get rid of his balance problems, I would believe me. But, um, yeah, it, 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 there's a lot of that out there, um, especially when you start getting into um, public transport. Uh, now, the, the idea of standing on a train or on a bus absolutely terrifies me because I know I would go base over Apex. So I'm always one of those people that says, excuse me, would you mind um, giving up your seat? I have trouble standing. And and they look at me and they see a middle-aged person, um, admittedly slightly on the uh, overweight side, um, and they look me up and down and say, no, you're fine standing. No, I'm disabled. Would you please mind giving up the seat? You're sitting in a, a disabled seat. Could you give it up for me, please? Um, and this is one of the reasons why I have... Um, again, the, the sunflower lanyard, so that there is a visible marker saying, I have a hidden disability. Um, but there is a lot of resistance from people 
when they see that. Again, partially these days because of COVID. Um, there were a lot of people that used the lanyard to not wear a mask. And the number of people that I've had since then look at me and say, you don't need to wear that. You don't need to wear a mask now, so you don't need the exemption lanyard. This isn't a mask exemption lanyard. It's a hidden disability lanyard. No, no, it's an exemption lanyard. I know these things. Yeah, this is not going to go well. So that that's um, the sort of stigma and fights that I come across when I'm out in the, the wilds. Um, but I, I try to avoid going out into the wild these days as much as possible. Uh, be largely because of that. Because there's a lot of um, discomfort around it. So has that impacted your um, ability to be as social as you want to be, to to do some of the things that you would have previously wanted to do, but... Yeah, it um, so I, it does make me think twice about travelling anywhere by public transport, so that almost immediately rules out anything in London um, and anything, largely anything further afield than my local town, um, if I'm not driving. I, I, I was lucky that I've been managed to keep my driving licence, um, once I declared the brain injury to the DVLA, they had to, uh, well, they, they said, okay, um, we need your GP to confirm that you're safe to drive. So I had to go through all that process, but I was fortunate that at no point did they take it away and ask me to apply for it back. They let me keep it and just prove that I could keep it. Mm. Um, so for anything that's too far afield, I will drive. Um, but even that I have to stop every couple of, um, hours to have a rest and a, a nap. A 20-minute power nap and then I can drive again. Um, so I I really do have to think about where I'm going. Um, is it more than two hours away? Because if it is, I've got to add, allow extra time. Um, do I need to take public transport? Is there another way I can do it? Is it a um, crowded area? Are there going to be a lot of people? Is there going to be um, a lot of sound and movement and that's going to completely overwhelm me and bring on fatigue sooner because where there's a lot of sound it, if there's too much sound and too much movement and too many people i do get overwhelmed because there's just so much to process my brain eventually gives out and i need to go and curl up in a corner of silence somewhere um so that that has a big factor in where i go uh, and is another reason why i'm not going to the the weekend event um, I, I, I tend to avoid them these days. Um, I am going to one on Saturday that's local, um, but again, it's local. So if things do get too much, I haven't got far to go to come back home again. Um, so I can get a taxi there and a taxi back. I don't even need to worry about driving. Um, but it, it does, it, it does colour what I can do in my time. Um, so a lot of my time is now spent with my friends in the computer because if my friends live in the computer i haven't got to worry about driving to meet them <laughs> i do like it when my friends live in my computer yes. it's, uh, it's helpful uh, <laughs> so good <laughs> okay last question before we move on to um audience questions um so if you have any questions that you would like to ask please submit them now um right tell us what you can take away from your experience what good has come of it is there any good representation in media for you? Um, good rep Funny you should mention that. Um, yes. Um, not a lot, but I have seen some. 
Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the, uh, was it on Netflix or Prime, um, the Titans TV, uh, dream series with like um, Nightwing and Hawk and Dove, DC characters. Um, the characters, Hawk and Dove, were a, um, a paired couple. Um, Hawk, being the, um, the very beefy bloke of the two, uh, was a former American football player. And the storyline, at least in the, the series, I don't know about um, how it went in the comics, but in the series, um, he suffered as, as a result of playing foot, American football, um, a head injury. And as they were going through his backstory, and they start, when we were seeing things from his perspective, they started playing um, almost like a sine wave that sounds like tinnitus. And I, the first thing that came to my mind was, he's got composed concussion syndrome. And literally two minutes later, when he's talking to the doctor, that's exactly what she diagnosed him with. Um, and the fact that something that I have that I hadn't seen anywhere on TV or video before, suddenly was on screen in front of me, was um, very... Um, Whatever, whatever the opposite of disheartening is, enheartening. It was very warming to see this um, condition that isn't a big um, spectacular thing. It doesn't come from um, like, I mean, it does come from spectacular car crashes, but it can come from much lesser instances. Um, being shown as have, as having happened from one of these lesser instances, it was a a, a concussion picked up on the on the sport, uh, sport field. And how that affected his life from there, and that he has tinnitus, he has um, headaches, and he has this um, thing that's always going to be with him. And this character went on and did the superhero thing. Didn't have any powers, just put on a suit and started beating up bad guys, despite knowing that he could get more head injuries, probably would get more head injuries, um, but had to do something. And that, that that was kind of a, a warming thing for me that they had a character that has what I have. Um, so, yeah, um, the, the series I thought was was quite good as well. But that that was the bit for me. So when he left the series, I was actually kind of gutted. He was only a, um, a, a B grade character in the series, but I immediately locked in on the character because of the brain injury. Well, it's good to hear that there is a a a, a good representation yeah. for you because quite often we're it's like clutching for straws to find good representation. I haven't come across any others, and I know with um, a lot of other conditions, um, it's quite often the disabled character that's the villain. Um, you know, if you if you look at um, Unbreakable, or um, yeah. God, there's Actually, there's a fairly big list. Um, I'll just stop with Unbreakable, but the, the list is fairly long. It's the disabled character that is the villain for some reason. Um, so seeing the character with a disability be the hero was really cool for me. Or well, a hero, not the hero. A hero. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see um, more recognition. Um, it, not, not just in fictional media, but in... Um, 
sports coverage that actually this is a thing because there's a lot of sports where head injuries are a pretty common thing uh boxing for one yeah it's it's the objective is to punch the other guy in the head um american football again very very prone to head injuries rugby very very prone to head injuries soccer believe it or not and yes if there's any brits out there yes i do call it soccer no i'm not american um anytime you head the ball you could be putting yourself at risk of a brain injury um there are um older soccer players who have um similar symptoms to lifetime boxers because of the amount of times they've taken the ball to the head so that there is a lot of um sports and everyday things that people do that could give them a head injury that people don't realize um and i would like to see a little bit more awareness of that out there um, especially in schools where these sports can be done week in week out as part of the the pe for the kids so aside from media what else uh can you take away from your experience Oh, um, that nothing is ever an end. Um, the old me became the new me and there are different things that I can do and there are things that I am still doing in spite of what I can, can or can't do now, before. Um, so it's, and for a lot, for a lot of, um, angles, it's driven me to do what I do. I suspect if I hadn't had the accident, I probably wouldn't be drumming like I am at the moment. Um, I would have probably kept the acoustic kit, played it occasionally, um, but never actually done much with it. As it is, I'm now playing twice a week, um, uh, health willing. <laughs> that, that, that actually, that's that's another thing is to that I'm taking away is that. Um, it is okay to not do things if you're not up to it. Um, I, I do try and stream twice on drums a week, twice on games a week. But if at any point um, I'm having a bad pain day, if I've got a migraine, or if I'm just too absolutely shattered to contemplate trying to coordinate things, then I can and do cancel. And knowing that I can, taking away that I can do that is something that I probably wouldn't have done pre-lamppost. I would have push, pushed through and possibly put in what would come off as a in, inferior performance because of it. Um, but knowing that as I am now, I have to take these self-care times. Um, there are things that I wouldn't do. So I, I've, I've learned that. And th that is a huge takeaway that I think anyone that doesn't have a chronic condition also needs to do quite often yeah um i i mean i would more than happily uh, uh get to the point where we normalize uh um it being okay to take breaks and to uh mm. to cancel when you need to to take uh um uh, sick days and and yeah. such forth but even separate from disability or illness just normalizing actually taking care of yourself and having a holiday, having the opportunity to just take days for yourself and Absolutely. not be constantly on it. Yep. 
it, it's a at the end of the day, whether you're doing it for enjoyment or as a job, it it still operates the same way as a job. You're still doing a lot of things. You're still uh, uh, providing a service. You are still needing the time to be ill, have a holiday, take a break. Um, and Absolutely. The moment that we normalize that for anyone, the, <laughs> the goddamn better. 100%, yeah. Um, but the thing is that there's a, there's a lot of people that don't have these conditions that don't realize that they can do that. Um, you know, I, I see folks at work who... Um, outside of my, my team is actually pretty good at looking after themselves, but um, outside of my team, I'll see someone start logging in at seven o'clock in the morning and they'll work through and they'll be messaging me when I know they're at lunch saying, oh, could you just look at this for us? I'm like, you're at lunch, take a break. Oh yeah, but I've got to get this done because I've got a deadline. I'll log out at the end of my day. They'll still be in and I will get in the next morning and see that they were sending emails at seven o'clock in the evening or later. And th these people are running themselves into the ground on a treadmill that ultimately doesn't care. And that, that... You're just a cog. Yeah. You're not... It, it, at the end of the day, if you run yourself into the ground, the only person it's ultimately going to impact is, is you. It's not... It, it, you're replaceable in in your role you're always replaceable in your role whether or not that's to a lesser or better degree is irrelevant they will still always replace you and the only person you're detrimenting by working yourself so hard is yourself yep most companies if you work yourself literally into the ground they will have your your job advertised as a vacancy before the ink's dry on your obituary and a lot of folks don't realize that and will work themselves to the ground out of a sense of loyalty to the company that probably isn't deserved. I mean, even uh, even the best of companies. Yeah. Grind and hustle culture is horrible and it, it has only gotten worse with costs of living crisis and that kind of thing. Um, like online i keep hearing especially from linkedin which is my most hated of social platforms it was facebook but linkedin no um linkedin you'll often see people like work every day work 60 hours a week in your 20s so that in your 30s you can buy a lexus and go on holidays it's like but if you're burnt out in your 20s who knows if you'll even be able to afford rent in your 30s because you've had to spend all that money on healthcare to try and fix yourself and you don't bounce back from burnout. It's burning out. And burning out is not just from working too hard and doing really well. It's from hating and becoming so tired and drained. And you can't, there's no point to doing that when, as you both say, unfortunately, no matter how much you love the machine, it's a machine. And you might have people there that you really care about and you might really care about that machine, but you're not you're not going to be the be all and end all there unfortunately and like it's really great if you have a good working environment and you want to work really hard for it but you also deserve to have a life 
and not you weren't born to be a cog you were born to be a human and technically to run ass naked through fields but now we have buildings and money and <laughs> you know you heard it here first everyone um you, you should be running out uh side naked uh through the fields of corn uh yeah i mean <laughs> i mean when so a lot of people this is a slight tangent but it's got me thinking a lot of people are freaking out about these new photos of space because it really makes people realize ooh, we really small and yeah and that gives me a lot of comfort uh not because because everything small means nothing. No, it means that whatever we meaning we give this tiny little existence we have in this weird fucking weird mass of black swirling gases and stars and fire is incredible. And so it can be really fucking difficult. But when when I sit down and realize it's a fucking miracle that we are alive with sentience and fucking computers and we've taught rocks to speak to each other so that we can talk to each other across oceans of water that you can't drink nor breathe in. Why the fuck do I care for the machine? Yeah, well, exactly. Well, I have to because to live and be comfortable. But that's why when there was a job I hated and I was, again, I know I was privileged enough to say, fuck you, job, I'm leaving. I said, fuck you, job, I'm leaving. The fact is that you as a being already is so many small little chances that came together to make that happen and you want to spend your entire life working yourself to the bone making yourself ill for some to make someone else rich to then ultimately end up wondering when you actually got to experience this miraculous thing that it took tiny things that we can't even see coming together to create and you you wanted to spend it burning yourself out working yourself to illness that's i will yeah i will clarify that our issue here is with the capitalist system not with the individual workers because obviously each worker that we're having to say the job is a cog that you're fitting into because other people have made it so that you can be replaced each person cannot be replaced and that's not you and your skill set or who you are as a person and there are people having to work so fucking hard and do so much to even have a roof over their heads or not even be able to afford to have a roof over their heads the issue is the system and we weren't born for that system which is the saddest fucking part but the people that choose to grind or say that other people need to decide to grind and that run MLMs and fucking pyramid schemes to make money to underpay other people and spend it on fancy cars they don't want, need, or just want to take a photo off for Instagram. Those are the people I have a problem with. They aren't living, they're posturing. I mean, I'm I'm speaking from a point of view where I did exactly that. I did exact I worked myself to illness. And so I've been there. I've I know that. And yeah, it's it's terrifying. It's terrifying. You you are you're we are in basically in a system where we don't get treated like people. We don't get treated like like if you're ill that you have worth that that if there's any sign of of a potential lack of 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 
commitment to use, then you're disposable. And that's... I don't think that's a situation where anyone should be in, and I think that really, like, we should spend more time talking about how we need to look after ourselves first over our thing that provides us the ability to pay for our house and, and our food and our, our petrol and... <laughs> but anyway... Yes, we've completely tangent. Capitalist there, but, rant! You know, <laughs> Anarchy! Capitalism tangent. <laughs> but that's why it is very nice to hear that your work have treated you well by yeah. the sounds of it. And, you know, see, uh, it seems that they've treated you in a way that you needed to be treated. And it is really yeah. difficult when other people, because they aren't living in the same experiences, when they see our experiences and go, well, this is, this is where you should be in three steps. You're like, fuck you, I don't want to go. And it's like, okay... But you gotta. <laughs> it's it's very difficult when other people, even if they have your best interests at heart, are reacting. It feels almost discompassionately occasionally sometimes, like your boss saying to you, go therapy or fuck off in the kindest of ways. Like you would be right to be like, what the fuck? But seriously? But at the same time, they're not having the exact same experience, but they can see yeah. where it needs to go. So yeah. it is exactly. difficult, but it does seem like they did have your interests at heart and it has worked which is wonderful which is yes. what we want to hear yeah i am i'm i'm, I'm not, let me try that again i am Good. well aware that i am one of the lucky few in that respect yeah i'm very grateful for that okay so we've got audience questions um i've got a few submitted so um let's let's get into them um Okay, so throughout the journey you've been on, because of this injury, who is the most helpful to you? Healthcare, professional, friend, family members? Ooh, who was the most helpful? I've, I've got to single out one person. Um, <laughs> I mean, you could just, you could cover all options. It's up to you. There's been, I think the biggest help was probably um, the the therapist that I went to for um, trying to get control over my emotions because my emotional instability, be it if I was going to go way off on the happy scale, way off on the sad scale, way off on the angry scale, was causing a lot of problems, whichever way it went. Um, and getting that um, mitigated and under control has been probably the most helpful um, aspect in the long run. Um, and she had a, a good way of talking through things um, and was willing to listen to me when I said um, that I don't necessarily understand how things are said in the first instance. And from the first meeting, she took that on board and would explain the same thing two times in two different ways before I even asked a question which I found really helpful because I could that that gave me a much better way to grasp what she was trying to to explain. Um so she she was very very helpful. Um friends have been I'll be honest have been hot and cold. Some friends have been absolutely amazing and um been honest and said, "Hey, look, you stepped out of line here. You kind of need to say something or um 
are you sure that's what you meant to have said when I've said something that had completely different words because I'd had a word salad moment. Um, and there are other friends that have said what what probably they thought might have been the best the good things to do but um have actually um been things that have i found kind of frustrating um it, it's it's not any malice on their part it's just one of those situations where um go, going back to where um i'm comparing what i could do as a drummer uh six years ago compared to what i can do now um uh, there, there's a world of difference and um though in the early days they were saying but i can see you're still a bloody good drummer now but i'm not doing what i could do um and that 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 was really fr they, they, they were being really nice and complimentary but it was frustrating because i was comparing that to what i was seeing before and that they, there was such a world of it was like no i'm really not um and that 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 took a um a bit of getting over for me um, because it, it was something that I found um, almost um, invalidated what I was feeling as a person at that time um, because I wasn't doing things that were good I was making a lot more mistakes than I am now I've, I've improved since then but still nowhere near where I was but they would say oh yeah you're still bloody good it's like no I'm really not and it, it, it really felt quite invalidating um and that that came from a number of angles in different areas um so that that, that there's both been both sides of that um again we've worked colleagues um my boss at work um actually my previous boss um was really really good and understanding and when she joined the company um she joined the team and i said you know hi nice to meet you um I know this is a first one-to-one. -one. I need to disclose this to you. You've probably seen it in my HR file, but I need to make all this clear. And clearly she had read the HR file because when I went through everything, she said, yep, I know. Thank you very much for pointing it out to me. Um, this is what we're going to do. This is how I'm going to try and make this work between us. And she was really accommodating from right from the get-go um, and has been ever since. Um, she's now my boss's boss. Um, but she still checks in on me. She still makes sure that things are going as they should. And she's still really bloody good. So the the best the best two people, um, the therapist and my, my, my current boss's boss. There you go. Okay. Um, you talk about the slowed cognitive function needing more time to process. In conversation... Would it help if people spoke slower or perhaps gave more pause to allow you time to take it in? Um, a, a little more pause, but not so much that um, you're talking to the speed that I've quite often dropped to during this session. Um, by nature and prior to the lamppost, I had a tendency to talk at Mach 3. Uh, so that the, the speed with which I'm talking at the moment is slower than normal because I'm trying to give my brain a chance to put things in the right order before they leave the mouth and I'm also manually filtering to try and avoid any um, unwanted expletives coming through because that they are a um, a common pitfall 
Um, in terms of other people speaking to me, um, one of the easiest ways for me to more readily understand someone is, as, as ridiculous as, the, as this might sound, is to watch their mouth move. I'm not deaf. Um, I know I have tinnitus, but it doesn't stop me hearing. I've, I've got a cutout at about 4K with a resonant at about 8 and then 12. Um, but it's not deafness. Um, so I, I can still hear perfectly well. But for some reason, I find it a lot easier to understand someone when I can see their mouth move. Now, if they happen to be eating while they're talking and they put their, put their hand in front of their mouth, I instantly have to ask them to say what they're, what they're saying again because I haven't understood what they said in that moment. And it really is the difference of seeing and not seeing. So when I'm in um, audio-only communications with people, um, I do have a much harder time understanding what's been said. And this goes up exponentially if they have a really, really strong accent. Um, again, if... If I was talking to someone from, um, say, Glasgow, um, taking a, a regular experience at work from this, um, if I can see the mouth moving, despite the strong Glaswegian accent, I can understand every word. As soon as they turn the camera off, I haven't got a chuffing clue what they're saying. And I have to ask them to repeat or to type it into chat so I can understand what they've said. Um, and that that... That, that, that could be a bit of an issue. Um, and I've lost what the question was. Can you repeat the question, please? Sorry. I, was, um, I think I had another point to add, but I forgot what the question was. You talk about the slowed cognitive function needing right, more yes. time to process in conversation. Would it help if people spoke slower or perhaps gave more pause to allow you time to take it in? I, I think for people to... Um, not necessarily talk more slowly, but to understand that I might come back to something they said 20 minutes ago. Because it's not just a, a few seconds of slow, slow understanding. It can be 10, 20 minutes. In some cases, it can be hours or the next day. Um, where the penny will drop on, oh, that's what they meant. Well, shit, I cocked that up in my response, didn't I? Because um, I'd completely thought a completely different thing um so slowing down what you're saying um doesn't really make a vast amount of difference um if i'm not if i if i don't get it i'll ask and if i don't get it the second time i probably will not ask out of embarrassment and try and think it over and it, it I'll, I'll get around to it in a couple of hours when i finally understood what it was you were saying uh, because the 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 understanding of what's being said can be that slow. Ah, so you too suffer from the nodding and smiling, uh, Bob. <laughs> yes. Yep. Guilty as charged, my lad. And the, the occasional just... <laughs> yeah. God no. damn it, yes. You've no you've got, fucking you, clue. You found me out. It's one of the old CM tricks. Learn to laugh very convincingly while having no clue what's going on. Yeah, PVP, of course, hilarious. The time spent in uh, um, in clubs has really, really helped get to this point where now, where uh, my ability to um, process what people are saying and uh, what their meaning is behind things, or when they're using acronyms, I get to just go. <laughs> 
fucking clear what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Acronyms are a killer. Um, Thank you. MACD. Now, this is a network engineer talking about stuff he's doing on the network. And in line with MACD, you going to McDonald's for lunch while you're doing this? What? Uh, apparently, it's move, add, change, and decommission. I had no idea. I thought he was genuinely talking about McDonald's. <laughs> one, of, one of my colleagues uh, says TQ. And for a while, I had no fucking clue what TQ meant. And she explained it meant thank you. And I was like, how the fuck have you got T thank you? So T and Q oh. is thank you. And I'm like, I get it now, but what the fuck? <laughs> I had no clue what was going on there. And it's very cute now that I know. But it did take me about a month and a half just like mulling over T and Q before I said it out loud and went, oh, right. I found it. Okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So when I had a new colleague, it was the one of the first things I explained, just like, by the way, <laughs> you might have this come up. There you go. There's the explanation. Because I, yeah, I didn't get it. Yeah, I, I used to have uh, where I would either lose words or forget what acronyms meant. Because sometimes you'll see um, the same acronym in the same sort of environment, but it could mean two or three different things. I had a crib list stuck to my, my screen on my desk at work. And then one morning the cleaner had, taken it away and either it had fallen off and she just cleaned it up or whatever but all all my words are gone and for the for the next two days i was stuttering like a oh. a loon on on all conversations and um this this unfortunately included a conversation with auditors when i was supposed to be talking about the it process we have around building new laptops and i forgot so many buzzwords i, I forgot it, it was it was it was terrible it got to the point that the infosec guy that was also on the call had to then jump in and explain, uh, yeah, he's got a brain injury, forgets a lot of words, bear with us. Um, I also think that that brings us uh, quite nicely into uh, uh, one of our um, other audience questions about um, uh, what does having text-based communication and internet access mean to you? And does it make conversations and communication easier for you? Because for me, acronyms and the internet are like my worst enemy like twitch chat quite often because of the speed at which people are trying to type acronyms are all over the shot so i really struggle so i find i think this is pr yeah. a pretty good uh, uh, question for you it's mixed because if i'm talking about emails in terms of text chat then they're a godsend because i can read them at my own pace and if there's any terms that I'm not familiar with, I can look them up before I reply. And I can take the time to soak in what's been said in the email. Um, and it's done at my own pace, which is great. Um, in terms of Twitch chat, everything, as you say, is happening live at the second. And if it's gone off the top of the screen while I'm streaming, I've forgotten what's been said already. Um, so another thing that I say to folks in the channel is if... If I don't respond to you, it's not that I'm ignoring you. It's gone off the screen and I've forgotten. So don't be afraid to re-ask your question and I will come around to it eventually um, when I see it again. But trying to understand what people type, um, especially if they are like me and have um, poor fine motor control and hit and fat fingers and hit multiple keys and miss letters and 
you get the the weirdest looking words. I can't translate what that word was supposed to be. Um, a lot of people can and can read w- what the sentence meant. I look at the sentence and that that that's just gibberish. I have no clue what you just said. Can you try again, please? Um, and I have said that before. Uh, Ask someone to retype because I didn't understand what they were saying. And um, on, on occasion, there's been someone I've been doing maybe um, a team game or something, and someone some voice with me at the time i said oh what they said was this oh oh it's right okay yes right yeah and then i could respond to it um Mm. so sometimes i need a translator um and where most of the team games that i have it's actually one of my mods that um is in voice with me and he's really really good at translating these things um so i don't know if dav's out there but dav if you're there you're a really good translator mate love your work you saved me so many times. Um, Are you hiring out your services? <laughs> Twitch translator. And um, another unfortunate thing that's related to that, um, it, it's more of a me problem than it is... I, I see it as more of a me problem because I wouldn't, for, the, for a second, want to put it on anyone else. Um, <laughs> some people... Um, have trouble spelling words genuinely um dyslexics or whatever have they can't they have trouble putting the right spelling into the word so what i'm used to seeing as a word they would maybe spell phonetically and i would see the phonetic spelling and not translate that into what i'm expecting for that word and thus not understand what they're saying um and that there's uh that that's caused me problems on, on a few times um now i on those occasions where I've known that the person writing it has been dyslexic, I have asked them to try again because I haven't understood what they've said. And that that's when Dav's come into his own and actually translating for me. And once he said that, I could then see what the phonetic spelling was. I was like, oh, that's what it is, right. Um, you know, it's uh, things like uh, with exploration, putting SH instead of TI, things like that. You know, it's where it's spelled as it's said rather than as you would exp- as the dictionary has the spelling be. Um, that that can cause me problems, and I, I don't ever want to put that onto the person doing the writing because it's I see it as being on me to be able to translate that because it's not their fault. Okay, and um, last question I think because I think the other one was already asked. Um, has your taste in games changed based on how you process information? Yes. Um, Ignore the fact that I play Forza Horizon, which is a racing game. I can't do things that are high speed. Um, I'm fortunate that with games like Forza, there are uh, power levels of car, and so they go at different speeds. The the highest two two or three levels of car I have trouble with. Um, Anything from sort of the mid-range down, I'm fine with. Um, And likewise, I I do like shooty games. Um, But games like um, Apex are way too quick. Um, my my youngest plays say. Apex, That's and, like... and is, is <laughs> a bit of a demon. Kill me, <laughs> but I, I I tried to play Apex with my youngest a few weeks ago. I thought I'll, I'll give this a go, and it was just too quick. I could not keep up. Um, so whilst I like the shooty games, um, I I can't do the run and guns. So Warframe, Apex, they are far far too quick for me. I, I need something that is a bit slower paced. Um, for a shooter game, I would look more at um, Sniper Elite, uh, Ghost Recon, you know, games where you can 
sit there, scope out what's going on, understand, and then act. Sniper Elite is one of my all-time faves, just purely because it allows me that, like, pace at which I can enjoy that sort of game. Sure. Where most games are very, very, like... You gotta do it. This, this, this so quick, so quick. Do it quick. You gotta yeah. do it quick. I'm like, no, no, no. I will spend hours, hours lining up a shot. Okay, <laughs> do not, do not get in the way of my process. I will, I will get this shot, but it will take me a good few hours. Yeah, one hundred percent. And similarly, I, I do like MMOs because they've got a, a community element to them, and you've got that in-game multiplayer. Um, and again, they need to be kind of slow-paced, but fortunately, once you get into your role in the MMO, you kind of have a um, a pattern of keys that work. And rather than thinking about what's going on, you're looking at where the AOEs are and just move out of them, and you're, you're hitting the same patterns on your um, on your abilities. So you're not necessarily thinking about the ability. So it's um, it's not such a bad thing. But I, I still have to be a bit careful with the MMOs. If, if something is really fast-paced, I have to step back and go, yeah, maybe this one's not for me. How do you find co-op games and things with PvP? I try and avoid PvP as much as possible. Um, PvP tends to be fairly quick. Um, in a, in a, a lot of games that I've seen, it's almost banging you dead. And if you haven't seen what's coming up, you've got no chance. So I am very, very poor at PvP. Um, I, I have tried games like... Um, the I forget what the the Call of Duty um, arena game's called, um, but I've, I've tried that and was abysmal at it. Um, I've I've tried the the Call of Duty PvP stuff and was abysmal at it because again it was it was too fast. Um, on any COD map where I could sit in a corner and set up a machine gun or a sniper and just take pot shots, I was great. But anywhere where I needed to react and move. There were so many flashes and lights and things happened on the screen. And the, the games are good at telling you where the shots have come from. But what you end up with is a mess of red lines on your screen. And I've got no idea where to turn. At which point I've processed and I'm dead. So I'm, I'm not too good at those. It's exactly the same as what I experienced. I try and explain it to other people as like basically audio visual lag. Kind of where like somebody who doesn't have cognition issues will be like... Why is this audio like seeming to be like just a few frames too late and it doesn't seem to match up because so I'm not quite sure where stuff is coming from or why it's happening. Um, it's just kind of how my brain processes all the time. Um, however, I also have the ADHD gremlin in my brain that's like, ha ha, play PvP and go absolutely fucking ham. So I'm really bad at it, but I really want to do it all the time. Uh, which has led to some very interesting occurrences of either doing really, really well for having and having no idea why, or completely fucking it up but finding it really hilarious. <laughs> so it's it's pretty good. Although I have also found that games that go too slow are very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, if if a game dictates a slow pace, that frustrates me because I do like to move at my pace. Yes. Um if if something's happening too slow for me. Um, my brain's still trying to work at its own pace and it starts over-calculating and, again, things go south from that point. So, yeah, I'm right with you on that one. Warframe, I definitely think, is an interesting one you've called out because I've played Warframe for five or six years now. Um, and because you can solo so much of it, I found that it is actually quite good for the 
issues with cognition that I have. Because you can get a lot of frames that are like chunkier as well, so they physically move slower and all the attacks are slower, but you uh -huh. do more damage in like so they'll do like bigger tankier hits instead but it's slower to run with so it can actually be quite fun to do a multiplayer with that where everyone else sprints off and kills everything and you're just there with the sniper rifle just lumbering through and punching shit and then pew just off to somebody on the other side of the map it's very amusing so yeah i mean the, the few times that i've played warframe with with friends um they've gone off and done their thing and i'm sort of halfway through the map still trying to work out where the heck i'm supposed to be going and they're like yeah. come on we finished thanks yeah yeah it can definitely be a bit like that um it's i think it's a game if you're willing to try it solo or find somebody to walk through it with you it can be yeah. a lot of fun and then when you start getting used to it it does get a lot more it becomes a lot more fluid i found just to I... sort of be like i'm gonna bullet jump there and that way it's fast but i know where i've ended up because that's where i was looking so yeah i did try getting into um oh god what was it um the MMO in the same world as Skyrim. Um, I've completely forgotten Elf the name Scrolls of Online. That's the one. Um, and a friend of mine very kindly offered to, to walk me through. I thought, great, easy start. I can do this. He can show me what's what. Um, unfortunately, he went off at his pace. And I was just following along, not really understanding what the quests were, why we were doing it, and what was going on. And yeah, you know, again, lovely guy, really wanting to help, but not quite cognizant of ironic wording um of the fact that i couldn't keep up mentally i find that with a lot of co-op games so mm. especially where it's like big groups where you get to do your own thing for th things like valheim for things like uh, uh v rising uh, um uh anything that has a learning curve that you can play in large groups i find it extremely difficult to to enjoy those games because everyone else goes off at their pace and i'm still trying to just figure out how the basic functions of the game work and they've already built like three castles and beaten all of the bosses and it's i think that's something that i personally would i i mean from the sounds of it it's very it's not something specific to me it's something that is quite common among um, uh, those with disabilities or neurodivergencies that I feel like having some more awareness of the different paces that people operate at and that if you're trying to help someone get into a game or catch up with you in a game, you should be working at their pace, not yours. For sure definitely all right well that brings us to the end of our podcast um before we do our sign off is there any last words of wisdom or or tidbits that you would like to share with us oh lord um nothing springs immediately to mind i think i've probably said everything that I would likely have said um so all those tidbits that i would give away are buried in everything i've already said um <laughs> other than self-care is really really important and stay hydrated okay um 
Can I get a... Yeah, oh, you've already done it. A shout out for our guest, Night Bites, um, and for our lovely, uh, wondrous co-host, as always. Um, <laughs> so, next podcast stream will be in two weeks. Um, next stream for me will be on Sunday. So I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day or evening. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, if you'd like to keep in contact outside of stream, do follow on the socials and the Twitters and the Instagrams and go join various discords. Um, and yes, have a good one all and say bye all. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> bye bye. Oh, bye bye.